back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Um, I am uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to have Glenn Gonzalez with me. Um, for all you guys who read all the press releases, you see Glenn's name all over the place. He's the CEO and the founder of uh, Jetit. Jetit's a fractional aircraft program now that uh, exclusively flies the uh, the Honda jets. So uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Craig. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share with the uh, executive podcast here, and and uh, very excited to connect with you and your your audience. Our, our backgrounds are, are very similar. It seems. So, so yeah. So okay. So let's talk about you a little bit. Air Force Academy, Air Force Academy grad, and you flew F-15s for uh, what six, seven years. Yeah, I, I actually my first assignment was as a as an instructor pilot in the T thirty eight. So the students going on to fly fighters and bombers, um, we we were teaching them how to become you know high performance aircraft pilots, if you will. Uh, and then I, I went on to fly the F fifteen, and um, you know that was kind of the end of my active duty time frame, where I flew the Eagle for about uh, five years. Um, and, and had a blast. Loved every second of it. It was uh, aviation, uh, the pinnacle of aviation in a lot of ways, but uh, Air Force needs and family needs met at a crossroads and I transitioned off of active duty and, and found myself at Gulfstream in Savannah, Georgia. So you're flying Gulfstream, you're demo pilot at Gulfstream for a couple of years and then ultimately on the sales side up at Honda, Honda aircraft. Correct, correct. I, I, I started my time at Gulfstream in March of 2009, and I, I don't know if I've talked about this much in any other podcast, so, um, but uh, I'll share it with you. Uh, after being there for two months, I was furloughed, and I was, uh, here I am thinking I'm uh, God's gift to aviation as a pilot, and uh, when the economy turns down, the first people to be let go are pilots, and uh, the last ones to be brought back are those same pilots, and so... Uh, I found myself out of work for six months and recognized that, gosh, there's more things that I can do, but uh, also that, you know, gosh, I, I'd like to do something other than being one of those first to be let go and last to be returned uh, from an organization. And um, that's what uh, sparked my interest into sales and an opportunity in the sales. And um, those, those are hard to come by at Gulfstream for sure, uh, yeah. being one of the premier business jet manufacturers in the industry, but uh, it did come about at Honda. But isn't it awesome though, where one door closes, Another you know, one, one opens up and you never know, you never know. Yeah, you never know where you're gonna be and you're like, wow. Eventually, one day you say, you look back and you say, getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, uh, in a lot of ways, right? It opened my eyes to one, you're not God's gift to aviation. Uh, and two, uh, there's a lot more that we can do in this industry beyond just flying and maintaining airplanes. Yeah. So Honda Jet, you were, okay, so you came on with Honda Jet and you were sales for a couple of years there. Yeah, I, I was sales at, at Honda for about four and a half years. Um, I was in charge of the Northeast region, everything from North Carolina, North through Maine, uh, with the, the westernmost states of Kentucky and Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Um had a blast, loved every second of it, and but but recognized that man is really going to be tough to sell a whole airplane to an audience at the time that wasn't really interested in um, what, what was at the time an unproven aircraft and unproven manufacturer. You know, Honda right. definitely stepped it up since then, but it's uh, competitive space. 
I mean, yeah. that area, you know, the Honda Jet, you got TVMs, you've got, you know, the, the small embryos, the, the Phenoms. It's, it's tough, uh, tough market. Yeah, it, it was tough sledding, especially at a higher price point. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what clued me into, gosh, there's, there's a whole market opportunity here. You know, the customers weren't buying net jets. They weren't buying Honda jets. Uh, they weren't buying into wheels up. Um, and it was a lot of individuals that I was in conversation with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, all of that made me realize that, gosh, there's a, there's a market opportunity here. And so uh, my co-founder and I sat down and talked through it. And here we are. So let's talk about Jetit. I see <laughs> your, press, your press release is fantastic. It's like you guys are like, wow, you're killing it. So yeah. tell me, how many airplanes in your fleet? So Jetit is the only... Fractional aircraft program designed exclusively, you know, fleet. The Honda Jet is the only aircraft in the fleet, so you have single type. That's correct. We we have uh, we kind of took the best from a lot of different models: Net Jets, Executive Air Share, uh, um, Southwest Airlines, Jet Blue. Uh, so Jet is a fractional uh, program. We exclusively use the Honda Jet. We're regionally focused. If you need to fly from New York to LA on a weekly basis, we're probably not the best platform for you. But if you're going from New York to South Florida or South Florida to Texas, um, you, you really can't touch anything close to what Jetta can offer. Um, and, and so that we are Jetta and Jet Club. Uh, we currently operate nine aircraft in the U.S., uh, number 10, we're waiting on to fly in Canada. So Jet at USA, Jet at Canada. Um, mm-hmm. But we use Jet Club. Uh, the name it just doesn't translate as well outside of the US. Um, and the play on words, you, you just kind of lose it. So uh, Jet Club is our European arm, and we have one airplane in operation, soon to add the second uh, for Europe as well. Same business model, uh, but tremendous value add for those US and European customers or Canadian customers that are traveling in those other countries consistently and still need that regional travel need. So we've got you know, that, that Canadian customer who might find themselves uh, in Paris. And while they're in, in Europe, they wanna travel from Paris to London, or they wanna go and vacation in, in Geneva. Um, they can use the service there just the same as they use the service here in the US or in Canada uh, and, and reciprocally all around. What's your, your, your pricing, your business model? It's, you know, you know what's, everybody's got a little bit of a, a different, um, everybody's got a little bit of a different angle. Is it a buy, is it a buy-in program? Are you buying in? You, you are buying a piece of the airplane, um, in exchange for that, it, you own a piece of the aircraft. It's titled to you or your entity. Uh, that said, um, the airplane belongs to you for a number of days annually. And depending on the share size that you buy, uh, that will dictate how early in advance you can reserve the airplane or how late really you can reserve the airplane. Um, uh, lastly, along those lines, when as a share owner, as someone who's bought into the airplane, it, it's your airplane for 1600 bucks an hour. And it's your airplane for a whole day at a time within crew duty day restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, for, to have an airplane as capable as the Honda Jet for $1,600 an hour to fly from you know, South Florida to the Hamptons for less than $5,000 and to take 
you know, your family of three or four with you, mm-hmm. um, it, it really is an unmatched experience. It's an unmatched value. And, you know, it, it's, it's a high level of touch and service that we add in to that experience. Gotcha. So that's a big step. Let's talk about, so let's, let's talk about a little bit. That's a big step to go from aircraft sales guy or Air Force pilot to aircraft sales guy to, Hey, I'm going to go out and, yeah. yeah, create, you know, create this business. So let's talk about, let's talk about that in your head. What was going on with that when you were uh, making yeah. that transition? Yeah, it, uh, it was one of those interesting things where it, it seemed like there's an opportunity here that um, one, one of the things we used to say in fighters is no one crosses through uh, your windscreen without you pulling the trigger. And it was one of those opportunities where you know, this business, this business model, this market need uh, is essentially flying and hovering right in front of the windscreen. So it seemed like an easy shot. Needless to say, it's never easy. Uh, you've got to get the timing right. And uh, there's a lot of effort to get to that point. And so we spent the better part uh, of two years building the model, recognizing that the opportunity was there. And um it's been tough. It's, it's, it has not been easy by any stretch. Um, but the opportunity that presented itself, the market need, the confluence of the market need, the aircraft being a leap in technology, and what we believe to be an innovative business model that we are the only ones conducting it in this manner. Uh, I, I think the, the intersection of all of those three things was what I recognized as the opportunity that you can't miss. You got to pull the trigger here. Let's go for it. What convinced you that the need was there? What convinced you that the need was there? And more importantly, what convinced you that, hey, the model the model needed to be set up this way? I mean, that's a big, yeah. there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, definitely. The degree of difficulty is quite high. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, putting on my fighter pilot hat from a strategy standpoint, putting on my corporate pilot hat from an operations and, uh, standpoint, and then my business school hat, and all of the numerous case studies, day-to-day case studies with entrepreneurs and executives trying to sell them airplanes. Those relationships are invaluable. Um, putting all of those hats on a, and to build the model uh, had to work. Uh, and, and in building the model, the the focus was well. Again, going back to that strategy, what are the threats? The known threats, the unknown threats, the unknown unknowns, and we've got to mitigate for like all of those threats. Business school tells you you, know, you got to use your Porter's five forces, and um, so applying that with the military experience and uh, all of that with the operational experience that I, I had, um, the, it seemed to work. And you know, did the numbers then match up? Um, and and all of those things worked out and being able to connect with uh, those entrepreneurs, those executives and, and bounce ideas off of them. Uh, all of those things together uh, led into where we are today. You got nine, nine airplanes, which probably means 25 pilots. Uh, we're actually up to 40, 40 pilots. Okay. Well, okay. That's, that's a big number. Yeah. And we'll, we expect fully expect to double our fleet this year, as long as, uh, 
uh, Honda continues to produce the airplanes in a timely manner for us. Then what's the support crew? What's you got scheduling? You've got I mean, there's that's there's a lot of that's not you know, running nine airplanes. Any management company will tell you it's a big it's a big uh, effort. It's uh, it's 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 a, a growing need um, or a growing organization, and we have lots of needs. Uh, we're right now filling our uh, we we have a professional dispatch team. Uh, that currently consists of five. We're soon to double that number. We have a client experience team uh, that uh, we have account managers that are engaging with all of our owners as they have requests and needs. Uh, it's not just about getting you from A to B at the time that you wanted to get there. What are you going to do on the ground? What can we do to support you there just the same? Uh, but then there's maintenance, there's uh, sales. And so um, we, we have a, a very thorough and robust team just like uh, many of the larger companies, but um, you know, all of our dispatchers are professionally trained uh, and licensed dispatchers. We've got flight coordinators engaged. Uh, so we, we basically go through a planning and execution and a post-flight uh, team uh, in, within our organization. What was the hardest part about getting set up? You've got to deal with Honda. <laughs> I know you've got, you know, look, no, you know, you, you know it, it costs a little bit of money to get started. So you've got some, uh, some investment behind you underneath. What was the hardest part? Was it you know getting the investment, talking to uh, talking to an investor, making the deal with Honda, getting the people, a little bit of everything? What, you know. it's, it's been a lot of everything. Everything's been tough. You know, no one talks about being an entrepreneur and, and how challenging it might be. And you know, our, our, both of our backgrounds are unique, and we've done some interesting things in this industry. Um, and, and a lot of that is transferable. A lot of those skills, Great. planning a mission in um, you know, making sure that everyone who started the mission with you is going to get home that day and then executing it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, from a, a challenging standpoint, being an entrepreneur is, you know, my, my co-founder explains it as, you know, it's like being in the middle of the ocean um, and you're treading water. You're not in a raft, you're treading water in the middle of the ocean and it's nighttime. You don't know when the sun's coming up. Yep. Or, um, if if or when someone will rescue you, but you know you have to keep treading water, um, and you know, hopefully you can. It, it's funny you say that because I used to say the same thing. Like yeah, you know, when I started my business in two thousand, late two thousand eight, or, or you know, kind of mid two thousand eight, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, good luck with it. Um, <laughs> you're nuts. You know, they, you feel like you've been kicked off the island because you're not really a part of anything. You're off on your own. I used to say the same thing to my wife. I feel like I'm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean at night. I'm swimming, but it's dark and I don't I don't have a compass and I don't know which way which way land. You have to and, and you're, you're kind of feeling your way around. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, if I had to pin my finger on one thing, um, it you know, we are growing with Honda. So managing our internal growth. Um, and, and and support from a single source supplier, uh, it, it's it, it's challenging uh, because they're learning with us in a lot of ways, and they're they've been extremely flexible and they've been great to work with. Uh, but it, it, that relationship has not been without its challenges. Um, it's it's working out very well, uh, but we're we're both learning how to manage a fleet. We are the largest fleet operator. Um, and uh, of Honda Jets and expect to keep it that way. Uh, so it, we've been helping them learn and they've been learning uh, and coaching us along the way just the same. So how do you convince, you know, you're, you're, you're not a startup, but you're not really a mature company either. 
Yeah, when you were a starter, how did you convince people to come aboard with you? I mean, pilots, it's a competitive market for pilots right now. Mechanics, competitive market. You know, Jet Club, Jet It. How'd you convince people to go, hey, look, we're going to be the uh, the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And um, you, need to, you need to join us. You know, I, I think it's creating a, a nurturing environment, um, allowing people to see, uh, you know, who, where we are today, where we're going, but um, you know, surrounding them with the people that they're, they will work with. Uh, when it comes to the flight crew, uh, I, as a professional, having been a professional pilot, I understand that you know, compensation is important. We outpace our competition uh, by a long shot. Um, quality of life is critical and our business model uh, allows a lot of our pilots to return home at night um, because of our, our days based model. Uh, sure. the other that is we're flying brand new, super high tech airplanes uh, with you know, the, the Honda jet. So, so those things coupled with the fact that we hire great people and introduce those people to our our, our new hirees or our interviewees mm -hmm. uh, to show them this is the environment that you'll work in. Uh, I'm so proud of the fact that every single one of our pilots and flight crew, we enjoy one another. Uh, I still jump in the airplanes to engage uh, simply for the fact that it's a good way for me to relieve some stress. I still enjoy flying, but also from a quality assurance standpoint to make sure that things are happening for our crew uh, and for our customers. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've got great people that all get along and it's a warm, nurturing environment to be a part of. It's interesting. You know, you talked about Gulfstream getting laid off early. One of the, you know, one, one of the areas I'm having a really easy time is recruiting out of. I just recruited a lady out of Textron. <laughs> I just recruited a lady out of Gulfstream and they're all going, hey, look, I got a lot of confidence in myself and I'm not sure in the big company, you know, I feel limited in a big company. Let's go roll some dice and take a shot. I think you, you maybe have a new VP of, I just placed a new VP of uh, engineering for XTI aircraft. He came out of Arion. He's like, look, I want another startup. It's that. It, it's something about this startup environment that just, um, it, if you're accepting of this, this high paced, high energy, high growth, uh, environment where you don't mind change, you don't mind conflict. Um, you know, we call it positive friction here. But if if you are okay with those things, um, that adrenaline that you get from succeeding on a day in and day out basis, even though it might only be a 0.01 percent increase that day, you're gonna see that increase. Whereas the larger corporate outfits. Uh, that that 0.01% increase might be the you know, the the memo making it to the next desk. I I always call it the tugboat theory. The tugboat theory is, hey, look, you got a big thousand foot long box ship. You know, you're managing a system. If you're the captain of a big cargo ship, you're managing a system. You know, if you're the captain of a little tugboat in a harbor, pushing yeah. the ship. Yeah, there's a lot of ambiguity there. Yeah, yeah, and and. You know, it's it's uh, if 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 you don't like ambiguity, go work for the government. If you thrive on it, go go to a startup, right? Yeah, we we uh, Vishal and my co-founder and I we talk about it a lot. We are allergic to bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, we've experienced it at in the military, Gulfstream, Honda. Um, 
we, we like to try to keep things lean and flexible and, and let's let's do things smartly. Let's make sure that everyone has a voice at Jetit. Yeah. So how do you so how are you and Vishal? You know, you're how are you guys dividing up the dividing and conquering? I mean, how, you know, uh, how are you dividing up the duties? You know, you know, what, what's very interesting is we were fundraising. A lot of people will say, Glenn, I, I don't know if this uh, world or war on two fronts is a good decision. Um, you know, maybe you should just focus on building the U.S. and you and Vishal together build the U.S. But you know, our approach and thought process was always, you know, we're both competent uh, individuals who can we have different styles, but um, we can divide and conquer if you will. And so Vishal runs our, our international arm, uh, currently our efforts in Europe and eventually in Southeast Asia. Um, but, and, and I run North America and, and have great people surrounding both of us in, in every environment um, from COO on down through every aspect of the organization. Uh, and so we, he, he's fully capable and runs our international arm with Jet Club, and I've been running uh, the U.S. And we make our decisions. We, we come together and, and talk through them uh, before we make any, any large-scale decisions, but we, we run our companies together. Well, so you're in a, a pretty competitive market. I mean, it's, you know, think about, you know, guys, the players that have been around, NetJets, FlexJet, now you got wheels up, you've got some of the other, you know, um, you just got part 135 guys and now you're coming along and saying, Hey, we, where are your customers coming from? You know, don't get too specific. Where are they coming from? And how did you convince them that, Hey, this is, this is awesome. Um, and, and, and yeah, there's, there's been a lot of fits and starts in this, in this arena. And it sounds like you guys are doing really well. It's what's the, what's the selling point to the customer? Yeah. I, I think it's just the total value proposition. Um, it's, it's the idea that I have access and now own a piece of an airplane and the utilization of it, the cost to use it is, is very similar to as if I own the entire aircraft. With a days-based model, um, if I need to go to, uh, from, from Dallas to Kansas City, have a meeting in Kansas City, and then I need to go over to uh, Oklahoma City, and, but I still need to get home to my family. I can do that if I own my own airplane. Mm -hmm. With our days-based model, I, I still can do that. And I still am only paying, you know, I can still take advantage of the Honda Jet's low operating cost. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm only paying $1,600 an hour, but I don't have all of the headache of managing a whole airplane. I don't have uh, the challenges of finding crew members in a, a challenging uh, market for crew members. I don't need to worry about the insurance or any of those things. We take care of all of the headache and we add so much more value to that. Uh, so it's that, that, that total value proposition where you've got a 24 seven concierge at your disposal. You've got um, the ability to utilize the service in other countries. Um, it, it's, it's just a different experience. And I, I think when you couple that experience with the price point, um, you know, our customers come from everywhere. They come from above us with the large major players, the NetJets. They come from below us uh, with the, the large charter operators or the wheels ups of the world. Um, and, you know, we like to think we're on shelves uh, three through seven and everyone else is on, you know, one through one and two. And 
where are they coming from geographically? You're in North Carolina. You're up, you're based in Greensboro. I mean, you know, Charlotte, great. Yeah, Charlotte, Greensboro are great. Obviously, in New York, you know, everybody, you know, are they coming mostly from the Northeast? Or are they, where, are you, where do you keep your airplanes? Are they hangered? Are they floating fleet? What, uh, and, and where we, are they coming from? We have from? a number of hangar and fuel arrangements uh, that are typically based upon where our pilots, uh, our flight crew live. Uh, but our customers are everywhere. We have a very much of a floating fleet uh, in which the airplanes rarely are sitting because we're supporting and servicing uh, our client needs. Uh, but the airplane, we have owners in uh, Oregon, we have owners in Southern Cal, we have owners in Miami, and we have owners that have second homes in Maine, but uh, as far north as New York and Boston. So we are spread out across the country and everywhere in between. So you've got literally, so half your airplanes are sort of on the East Coast and half are sort of on the West and... Yeah, there's there's a heavier concentration on the eastern half of the country, given that's where we began. Uh, we've been growing quickly on the west coast. You know, the the, um, the 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 need for our service there um, is has accelerated with companies like JetSuite um, transitioning to just JetSuite X. So you're losing that private jet experience. You still get it, uh, but you're sharing it with other people, and you know. It, private and sharing aren't really one and the same. No. Um, and so that, that creates and affords an opportunity for us. And uh, there's that customer that wants that serene, quiet, uh, personalized environment that we can provide. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. What do you think about this democratization of business aviation? Is it is it real or is it? Uh, yeah, to me, I, I, I sort of think it's a, you know, a lot of people are trying to, but you know, look at the end of the day, it, it costs so much to own and fly an airplane. Yeah, we, sure it. we we stay away from that. Um, it it is a great marketing tool, uh, but at the end of the day, this if airplanes are, are um, reliant upon physics, and you know, yeah. moving ten thousand pounds of anything um, is expensive. Uh, the faster I move it, the more precise and larger the equipment. The larger the equipment, the more fuel necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and all of that together means that there's a cost, a significant cost to move it. Trying to bring that cost down, I, we, we believe we've done that. But democratizing it so that it's, it's accessible to everyone, um, I, I don't think we're there just yet. Uh, I, our, our efforts uh, on the environmental side of our business to take some of the regional travel and now start to pick up the local travel with our um, our, our process and uh, acceptance of a number of electric aircraft with, with the eFlyer 800. Mm -hmm. that, that's part of the next phase of our business and I, we think that will help further reduce the cost, but um, autonomy and efficiency are, are expensive and especially when you apply it to physics. What do you think, do you, yeah, the, the, in Europe particularly, the green the green threat, I think, is sort of kind of that. Yeah, that's a big alligator lurking, and it can it can it can eat everybody. Um, yeah, what do you? Yeah, where are you seeing about the uh, you know, the U.S. Europe? Is that something that's got you guys worried? Should everybody be worried about that? Are the OEMs addressing it to the to the extent that they they really should be? Yeah, you know, it's it's a different effort there versus you know the, our large market here. Uh, being able to lobby uh, to EASA uh, as compared to just the FAA and all of the different 
countries that are, are lobbying EASA. You know, France, I think, recently came about with a, a, an arrangement in which if you're flying under a certain distance, you cannot take an aircraft. They want you to use the train. They want you to use other systems because of the emissions, uh, the carbon emissions. Um, we believe that you know, our, our effort with by aerospace and the electric aircraft will help fulfill that gap that it seems to be expanding and growing as related to how people travel across Europe. Um, you know, having a no emission aircraft will definitely allow uh, a, a solution and we want to make sure that we're first to market in that space um, and we believe that the uh, by aerospace will be first what's the average stage length of your your flights you do it probably hour and a, hour hour and a half two hours you know, yeah, hour and with, and a half. our Honda jets right now it's it's an hour and 40 minutes um, and, and we expected that to be the case um, you know some of our owners are using the airplanes more than others but uh, on average, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. And uh, we've found the same to be the case for our efforts in Europe. Interesting, an hour and 40 minutes. You know, so it's a lot of cycles. It's a lot of cycles you're putting on your airplane. So it, happens I, it happens that way. I mean, there are some of the repositions that we have to do that are, are shorter. Um, I, I would say our live legs are, are a little bit longer than that hour and 40 minutes. Um, and, and they balance out because we've, we do a lot of New York to South Florida runs and, and vice versa. Uh, and those are three hour flights for us or, or just under three hours for us. So uh, they, they balance out with a reposition from uh, Fort Lauderdale to Boca yeah. uh, or from you know, Dallas to Alliance, Fort Worth. And I take it uh, Honda just must be getting a trove of data. I think of MNR data, whatever else, they just must be loving you guys. We, we are busy. Uh, every single airplane flies every single day and multiple legs a day. So we're gathering a, a wealth of information uh, for our operations, as well as uh, sharing that information with Honda. That's part of that learning process that we are going through together as a manufacturer and customer. And uh, it's, it's a relationship that's, that's working out very well. That's awesome. So, so, so for all these people who are patting you on the back, going, "Glenn, great job! How do I become an entrepreneur too?" What are you, what are you telling them? Yeah, what, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Hey, look, you know, it's it's a tough road. It's a tough road to hoe. And uh, you know, what, you know, what's the conversations you're having with folks out there in the industry? And, yeah. Um, the, the good news about our industry is it's a great time for us. Uh, they, unfortunately, the, the pandemic uh, has, has created a lot of gaps in how people travel. Uh, but you know, our industry, it, we have a great opportunity right now to fill those gaps, to provide a high level of service and, and retain these new customers. Um, it, it's up to us in that sense. Um, some of this, though, is inevitable. It's autonomy and efficiency, transitioning from a horse and carriage to an automobile, mm -hmm. transitioning from an automobile or a train to an aircraft. Um, those things provide more autonomy and efficiency for you, and that's the evolution of transportation. Uh, so for the person who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur in any business, um, I'd say think long and hard. Uh, it, it, but uh, at the same time, I also would say that, yeah, why not you? You can do it. Um, and most likely, it might be a different experience, but you've probably been here before. Yeah. Um, what What's scaring you the most? I mean, everybody keeps talking about, hey, pilots, you know, pilots are going to be in short demand, you know, mechanics are, 
you're getting hard to find. A and P mechanics are hard to find. Um, what's yeah. what's where do you see the most? Yeah, what where do you see the you know what's scaring you a little bit out there? Yeah, the, I would say the the thing that scares me is making sure that we are scaled properly for our growth. Um, you know, we we've sold out our first three airplanes uh, of the year. Uh, and, and, but supporting those airplanes, there are only two things, two priorities that we focus on at Jetit. Uh, number one, operate safely. Number two, keep people happy. Um, and that keeping people happy means that we have to not just grow, but we have to scale. We have to have the infrastructure in place so that we're not the clumsy, you know, 12 year old at six, five, uh, we want to be nimble and athletic in how we, uh, manage that growth. Um, so, uh, you know, making sure that we're scaling uh, appropriately and, and maintaining our, our agility, our flexibility as we're growing to make sure that we're keeping people happy. That's the one thing that I, I would say keeps me up at night. So, yeah, so no, no business succeeds in a vacuum and no CEO succeeds in a vacuum. When you're starting to feel like law, who do you reach out to? Who's you, who do you who do you who coaches you? Who mentors you? Who do you reach out to when uh, when you're stuck? Yeah, um, you know we've we've got some amazing team members here at Jetit from private equity and Harvard Business School and uh, the insurance space and academia. Uh, I, I typically start with our team. Um, we are super diverse uh, from experience, from culture, from um, you know, professional experience, personal experience. Uh, and, and so I start there. Uh, and then if I need more support, it kind of depends on what kind of support it is. Uh, I, I go to my family when I need to be, um, you know, hugged. <laughs> uh, and, and but when it's around the business, uh, I, I have a number of individuals. There's a, a guy who's an entrepreneur, Tokyo, first section Tokyo Stock Exchange. Um, I, I reach out to him quite a bit uh, when I need support. And, you know, he he's one of the few individuals that has grown as an entrepreneur to grow his business to that point. Um, and, and there's so many other confidants and mentors uh, that I'm, I'm very blessed in, to have and to reach out to. It just kind of depends on what the, the particular need is. So ha happy customers are always your best your best friends. Do they do they come in and do they come in and help you a little bit? And, yeah. Very much so. And, Build some relationships. What's great about it is they are excited about our business. They're excited to participate. They're excited to offer advice and guidance. Um, there are people from automotive and, and venture capital and, and private equity and real estate. And so they all have these unique experiences and they're in the seat. They're enjoying and experiencing what we offer and what we've promised. Um, and they're not shy about giving feedback. And so uh, I can rely upon their expertise um, and, and their guidance. Uh, you know, yeah. people who've been uh, celebrated executives, entrepreneurship hall of fame, uh, so many great individuals that are willing to share their excitement with us to help us scale, not just grow. What do you want? What do you want to scale to? What's I mean? What does success ultimately for the Jet Club and Jetic going to look like? Yeah. You've got uh, you got nine airplanes now. You got three sold out this year. Very nice. Um, you're probably selling them as quick as Honda can build them. Yeah. What's wh what do you want to look like? And when do you say this is enough? You know, it, it really it just kind of depends on what the market's willing to bear. 
Um, you know, we are one handshake, one conversation, one flight at a time. And, and we stay focused on that. We want to make sure that we uh, pay attention to the near rocks um, and, and we don't uh, miss the alligator that's right next to our canoe, if you will. Yeah. Um, we, we think the market will grow and allow us to have you know, up to 60 airplanes here in the U.S. And, uh, and we're not sure how many airplanes will be absorbed in the Canadian market, but you know, we, we're not sure. We'll, we'll let the market decide and we'll make people happy and, and operate safely one flight at a time. That's awesome. Who's out there doing it right? I mean, obviously you guys are doing it right. Honda's supporting you well. Who else is out there in the industry that's just doing Who do you think is out there just doing it? You know, yeah, great partnership for you or they're just doing a great job? Yeah, Honda's been a, a tremendous partner for us. Um, we're excited to continue growing our relationships. You know, we're very much focused on supporting our owners. Um, when it comes to bringing new players into the marketplace, we have an on-demand sommelier uh, with heart and crew. Um, we are working with a fitness firm, both internally as well as to offer to our owners. When they're out on the road and traveling, we, we want to be a part of your lives. Uh, so we work with Swerkin, which is another veteran-owned company. Um, we work with a lot of nonprofits that utilize private aviation. So I, I guess... You know, who's who's working well in the industry? Um, I, I think all of our partners are, and they're supporting our needs and supporting our owner needs as related to travel. Um, outside of Jetit and our our little microcosm of the industry, I mean, everyone's doing such a great job to do. Like I said, support the entire market that's growing and expanding and. Um, the manufacturers are busy, they're stressed, the operators are stressed and busy, and it's our opportunity to grow this business and sustain any new customers or retain and sustain any new customers that come to us. That's awesome. It's a great story. I love, I love seeing all your press releases online. Very nice. It, uh, it's uh, always fun to watch. It's always fun to watch a startup grow and, and, and succeed. So um, how do people get a hold of you? Well, uh, most people find us through our website. It's uh, very simple. It's uh, gojetit.com. Um, you, of course, can find us on all of our social media. And um, you can also always call us. It's, it's just 833-2-JET-IT. Uh, that's T-O-JET-N-IT. So thanks for coming on, Glenn. So Glenn Gonzalez, he's the CEO and founder of JetIT and the Jet Club. And I uh, look forward to watching all your success. Thank you, Craig. This has been a treat. Great to share this moment with you. Thanks for coming on. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.